We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chargers are back and there's plenty of excitement in the air about this team. Whether you want to go to a game at SoFi Stadium or you want to go to a road game when Justin Herbert comes to your city in America, ticketing is very important and it's really important how you get your tickets because there's plenty of sites out there that want to scam you and put all these charges and service fees that you didn't originally agree to. But that all changes with TickPick, the exclusive ticketing partner of the Guilty as Charged podcast and the Blue Wire Network. That's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K. They're the original no-fee ticketing site, and they are able to guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. If you don't believe it and you can find better prices, TickPick will also give you 110% of the difference on the same purchasing price. The Cowboys are coming up. There's plenty of high-profile Chargers home games coming up, road games all over the place where they travel to Baltimore and go to Kansas City. So you can go get tickets at TickPick.com charged and use that promo code charged to save $10 on your first order of Chargers tickets. I know you want to see Derwin James. I know you want to see Brandon Staley. I know you want to see all those boys and get that Chargers W. So go to TickPick.com slash charged and use promo code charged for $10 off your first ticketing order. Welcome into the Guilty as Charge podcast. My name is Steven. I am your host. Very excited about today's show coming off a Chargers dominant win over the Las Vegas Raiders. Joining me as always are my guys, Alex and Tyler. Tyler, I think we've got to start with you today, man, because you were at that game with your dad, who's a Raiders fan. Uh, so what was that atmosphere like and how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. My voice is a little shot <laughs> because uh, we were causing delay of game penalties, all four of us. So we'll see how the stream holds up, but it was nuts because I got in there before the storm started. So I'm covered, but then you can feel that wind chill. Then a lightning bolt strikes the top of the stadium and the Oculus, that big circle uh, screen goes dark. And they were getting notifications, you know, you know they're saying us, oh, it was going to delay a game. And then, uh, you know, we're going to resume activities at some point. It was wild, but, you know, fitting. The whole thing was just fitting. I got to go 
Chargers first home game or excuse me, first primetime game at SoFi against the division rival Raiders for the battle for the number one seed in the AFC Monday night football lightning is striking all around the stadium. I mean, come on, that was amazing. So, you know, I needed that win. I feel like I'm the guy and many of our viewers are the same. We got to go and walk through the stadium and hear all that harassment, right? In the parking lot, hear the harassment in the lines and hear the harassment, you know, yeah. all the Cowboys fans, Raiders fans, whatever, because everyone's really tough in numbers, but you know, right now we don't have the majority, but last night, I think the Chargers may have earned one more fan. Maybe another couple bought a ticket to that game next week. Maybe one more kid watched the Chargers win on primetime and fall if they fell in love with their team, their new team. Who knows? You know, every win is going to add a fan in the stands next to me and in that stadium. And that, that means the world to me. So this fan base needed to win. That team needed to win. And now we're all atop the AFC today. Yeah, man. It, it, was, a, it was a great day to be a Chargers fan. It's been a great start to the season, right? Um, Alex is here. <laughs> Big Urban Meyer fan, big pink shirt energy. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing pretty good. I, well, I'm wearing the pink shirt for two reasons. You know, all the Raiders fans who made fun of it. So, you know, you got to eat shit today. Uh, and also respect to Urban Meyer. Props uh, for the pink shirt. Uh, so got to pay respects to him as well. Uh, but, uh, no, I, I thought the game yesterday was really fun. Uh, I was not pleased with the lightning delay as someone who lives on the East Coast. Uh, and then they were like, hey, we're going to start the game an hour late. And I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, so I had to go make coffee and do all that. But uh, I was just open for a really dominant win. Uh, got it. And uh, I think that's all they can ask for. Yeah, we uh, we had planned to do this stream, of course, on Tuesday, not on Monday right after the game. I think if we had decided to stick with the Monday after the ring delay, I think Alex probably would have rioted against us. Yeah, I would have. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're going to talk about the Chargers game. What a wonderful, you know, just beautiful thing to see all the all the Raiders fans flying out of the stadium after talking all that shit all week long. They had to go, you know, tail between the legs. So before we get started on today's show, I want to give a shout out to our guy over at the Backroom Collection. Uh, he's been working with us for the past few months. He actually has uh, the privilege to attend a Justin Herbert signing uh, in the next few weeks. And so he is selling uh, or pre-ordering some prints signed by Justin Herbert. He is the one who, hello, wrong way, uh, made this <laughs> this print of the Chargers rookies uh, for us. And so, um, you know, shout out to him. If you use the code GAC, you get 10% off your order. That's G-A-C in all caps. Uh, so please go support the show and support our guy, the Backroom Collection. All right. That being said, let's dive into this freaking game. I, Tyler kind of alluded to it, but the Chargers now are in first pl first place in the AFC West and in the AFC as a whole. I know there's some confusion of like, well, there's everybody's three and one. The Chargers are in first place because they are the only team that is two and zero oh in the division. So. Um, we're going to do some large scale takeaways, if you will. And guys, is it okay if I go first again this week? I know I went first last time, but uh, I'd like to go first today as well. Cool. So I think my favorite, my biggest takeaway of this game is just how resilient this team is and the different ways that they can beat teams. Because we all thought that you know Raiders scored two touchdowns to start the third quarter, that oh, it is the same old Chargers. But we felt that way against the Chiefs, too. We felt that way against the Washington football team, too. And this team has continued to respond 
through every single stint of adversity and is really, you know, proving that they're not the same old Chargers. And in week one, it was, you know, Herbert to Keenan Allen, you know, sparking the win and and having that great drive to close it out. In week three against the Chiefs, it was Herbert to Mike Williams all fourth quarter long. And what did they do yesterday? It was the run game. They leaned on this new look offensive line, which, of course, I selfishly loved. But <laughs> they got Austin Eckler going. They got Larry Roundtree going. And instead of relying on the passing game, they relied on the running game to close this Raiders team out and put out a, I think it was like a seven minute drive ending with an Austin Eckler touchdown. And it was like, we're just going to pound the ball down your throats. So you're not going to be able to stop us. And the Raiders have a good run defense. It's not like the Raiders are the chiefs, right? Like the Raiders have a good run defense. So the variety of ways with which this team has battled through adversity in these games has really been awesome to watch. And I think that is a testament to the belief that they have in each other and that they have in Brandon mm-hmm. Staley. And so, you know, I, I would be lying if I said like next time that the Chargers get a three score lead, I'll be fully confident that they'll hold that three score lead. <laughs> but, you know, I think it, the Chargers are really trending in the right direction in terms of overcoming, you know, their past history and being able to push through adversity. And so that that to me is the biggest takeaway of the game. And part of that is a commitment to the trenches and Staley's commitment to it has paid off, especially on that in that fourth quarter. Covington, their free agent signing, that big sack to push the Raiders back. They end up yeah. missing that field goal potentially by as much as they lost on that sack. You know, Eckler the whole game having 81 yards before contact before rushing the contact, ball. Yeah. Herbert only sacked twice. That game ceiling drive, like you said, with that Eckler score. It was magic. Steven, I can't wait for your offensive line breakdown, of course. I'm sure yeah. we'll get something <laughs> like that. Um, but also just Staley going for it. And like you said, having the faith and winning different ways. There's only so many times you can stop everybody on the Chargers. Maybe you can stop them three times. Can you stop them four times? And can you do it multiple times? You know, the Chargers, I said this on Twitter, over the past two weeks, they have three touchdown drives following successful fourth down conversions. Yeah. They scored 21 points off those drives. They've won those last two games by a combined score of 20. They they scored 21. They've won by 20. That is the difference. There's many differences, but that is like the biggest difference between last year's staff and this one. Because even if everything breaks pretty much the same outside of those drives, even if the team executes the exact same way on almost every other drive, Lynn does not go for it on all three of those. They would lose both of those games. So kudos to the staff for you know backing up what they've been saying we're committed to the trenches that paid off you know we're not here to participate we're here to compete that paid off they are just putting their money right where their mouth is and the Chargers are the best team in the AFC yeah no I mean I think being three and one is just a big deal it's been seven years since they were three and one uh or better like that's just crazy going back to like the Mike McCoy era uh since because they've always kind of farted their way out the gate and then have always (laughs) tried to like you know, in the last half of the season, make some kind of push. Um, so, you know, I, I thought that that was really important. Obviously, going 2-0 and in the division, given their struggles in the last three or four years when it comes to division, is massive yeah. as well. Um, so I think asserting themselves in this game, and then, you you know, you give yourself some time until uh, whenever the next division game is. I think it's a while off until they play Denver, I assume, is the next one. Um, so, you know, they're going to eventually get to that point. Uh, but you know, now they don't have to play any divisional games and just, uh, can kind of sit back. But ultimately I thought it was a pretty 
dominant effort and could have no. been even more dominant. Like if yeah. Herbert hits that pass to Mike Williams, where he juked Damon Arnett out of his cleats and like the Chargers played kind of far from a perfect game, but still, right. uh, you know, just found a way to kind of take control of that game uh, whenever they had to, whether it was 21 zero in the first half or when the Raiders pop them back for two quick touchdowns, uh, just coming back and, you know, making sure that game was over. Uh, Brandon Staley going for it uh, on fourth and two up 14 was just awesome to see just, Hey, let's end the game here. Let's not give them any false hope. Uh, so I thought that that was really cool. And uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm, just, I'm not, I'm laughing oh, at Jason me. Lucero's comment, man. That is amazing. <laughs> oh. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, a big ball Staley all the way around. Like, that was just a really great effort to see. Um, obviously, yeah. you know, we can always question the going forward on fourth down in hindsight if they don't make it. Um, but I think in, in all the particular calls, going for it on fourth down was the right call. I'm not yeah. sure. I, I don't think every NFL coach would have done it. I think a lot of them would not have. But I think that he just saw, hey, like the offense has the opportunity to close it out there and you know, if we don't make it, we have confidence on our defense, right? So uh, I think that that was just a great thing to see as well. Uh, and yeah, no, I uh, I still think it's really going to be a dogfight with the Chiefs down till the yeah. end in the AFC West. I mean, they're the only team that uh, I believe uh, isn't frauds because we've proven that the Raiders are frauds. <laughs> but, uh, you know, with Tarek Carr and John Gruden, give me a break. But... Yeah. Uh, I am excited to see where this team goes down the road, especially given their next stretch of games, get Baltimore and Cleveland into the bye. And then, you know, now it's starting to look like a bit of a more serviceable schedule after those games. Uh, I said the bye, you know, the goal at the bye week was to get uh, three and three and they're three and one, you know. So to me, that's just a great uh, improvement over the course of the season so far. Um, and I was just really impressed with the way they played. Yeah, I mean, so much to take away from there. I, I think, you know, just harping on the division for a second, like we're two years away from them going 0-6 in the division. Yeah. And it yeah. like the turnaround with Justin Herbert, I know the last game against the Chiefs technically, you know, doesn't count for, for whatever reason and, and for the reasons that we all know. But, I mean, Justin Herbert's 5-0 and in his last five AFC West games. And Ooh. potentially, you know, could have won his first AFC West game against the Chiefs. So, it really feels, you know, Jeff Schwartz always makes fun of the Chargers and how they always charge their games away. But it really kind of feels like Justin Herbert and Brandon Staley are are really turning that around and people are taking notice. So mm-hmm. being 2-0 in the division right now is huge. It, it gives them such a leg up. You know, Alex mentioned they don't have another uh, division game until Thanksgiving, I believe, against the Broncos. So, um, which is crazy to think that that's coming up soon, but um yeah it's just wild to sit here you know watching this team be two and on the division and three and one i mean like alex said we were expecting or not necessarily expecting but you know looking at the schedule and how tough the first six games were you know three and three at the time at the bye week was going to be you know it was, that's kind of a win now they're three and one potentially could go five and one i mean it, it's it's crazy like the the start that this team is off to right now but I got to see how they do next the next two weeks. I, I felt like these four games were tough for sure. But like I could see why they beat the Chiefs. I could see why they beat the Raiders. Washington football team, Dallas Cowboys. Browns and Ravens will tell me a lot for sure. I, I really think those two next games are the ones I'm the wor- most worried about. So that'll really tell us what kind of team we have here. 
Yeah, I uh, I was actually just on a Browns podcast earlier today. Mm. Um, and so there's definitely a lot to be, you know, conscious about, and we'll get into that. But I'm still expecting the Chargers to win this game because of Justin Herbert. Like, yeah. he has given them such an advantage over basically every team in the league at the quarterback spot. And, you know, there is just such a synergy with, you know, him and the receivers and, you know, Joe Lombardi. And, I mean, if we had known that the Chargers were going to be beating the Raiders by two touchdowns, I think everybody would have assumed that Mike Williams and Keenan Allen were probably having like 250, 300 yards receiving. They combined for 47 yards, Hmm. and the Chargers won by two touchdowns. And like Alex said, it could have been more. It easily could have been more. And so it's just is wild that this team is able to win in so many different ways because that's never really been the case. Like it was always Philip Rivers is going to beat you with his arm or you're not going to win. And now this team has a defense that can create takeaways, create pressure. They have a rushing attack finally. And, you know, not to take a victory lap or anything, but I felt like watching the film that the Chargers were close to figuring out their rushing attack. And they sure did yesterday. Yeah, I don't think the stats will show up for Larry Roundtree because there's some plays where he gets like one yard or he has to get that one yard on third and one. But you could tell towards the end of the game, he was pushing the pile. And, yeah. you know, not that your offense needs to be a big pile pushing kind of offense, but he was doing what he needed to do. They knew they had to stop the run and he was getting another couple yards. You just see that confidence growing. He's like playing a little bigger, a little less hesitant, a little more downhill. And that is really going to pay off. If they figured out their rushing attack and the running backs, or I should say, Roundtree is getting more confident. It's going to be very hard to stop them. we got to take credit for the uh, Larry Roundtree gack bump. I mean, you know, <laughs> he closed out the game on the same week, yeah. you know. so yeah. And yeah. Steven Anderson, too, had a nice catch. Donald Parham had a touchdown. Was it? It was National Tight Ends Day yesterday, I swear. Like, the <laughs> yeah. the amount of love that the tight ends got yesterday was was awesome to watch. We've been clamoring for, you know, more Donald Parham. And, you know, he gets mm-hmm. involved in two big plays, scores the touchdown. And Jared Cook was just, you know, a mm. mismatch out there for all of the linebackers, uh, including our, our former guy, Denzel Perryman. So the Titans play awesome, man, for sure. Yeah, and I, I think we've just been asking, like you said, and clamoring for, hey, just put all the tall guys in the red zone. <laughs> <laughs> like we've been asking for that with Donald Parham and Steven, uh, you know, Steven yeah. Anderson, Mike Williams, Jared Cook, just throw them all in there and see if you could score. And they mm-hmm. scored quite a bit uh doing yeah. that kind of thing so it, it was really fun to uh to see that yeah, yeah. you can't just it's, it's hard to couple donald parham and you watched um you know when Nasir Adderley, great position on the ball just couldn't stop darren waller because darren waller is just taller than he is he yeah. pretty much could have made a better play it's just the guy's taller and it was a great throw same thing with parham the guy's just bigger than you so until you can until you can stop it keep doing it and it worked yeah i know everybody was mad uh, of course in the moment about you know, Nasir Adderley not making a better play on that ball. And it's like, he was in the spot. Yeah. It was just a perfectly placed ball yes. to a human being that was like seven inches taller than him. So, <laughs> you know, Nasir Adderley, I thought, played pretty well outside of the penalty, which, uh, you know, did not really uh, make any sense to me. We're not talking about Jalen Smith, so <laughs> don't ask. The Chargers should not sign Jalen Smith. He is a washed linebacker. He's the last person that they should be signing. Um but yeah, I, I think this the offense like it, it's it has had some growing pains for sure. Yes. But it's not really cost them except for the Cowboys game, right? Like they're mm-hmm. they're finding their way in certain areas. 
but they're a couple of fluky plays from averaging like 32 points a game scoring. So, you know, I know everybody is really upset about Joe Lombardi because he's not doing everything that they want to do. But to me, the offense is, is really finding its stride. They're figuring out mm-hmm. really how diverse their talent is on the team. And it's been really yeah. fun to watch the last few weeks. Yeah, I mean, the two things that they struggled with the most the first two weeks, red zone offense and rushing the football, those have improved quite a bit, especially last night. Yeah, um, I think the offense definitely improved. Uh, I thought it was a little bit shaky maybe uh, prior to them scoring that second touchdown because they sort of had that 7-0 lead for a while, and then they missed the Mike Williams play. They missed a couple other opportunities. But, uh, you know, once they finally cashed in, it just felt like, okay, now they have it moving. It's Mm 21-0, and that was just kind of the game at that point. Obviously, the Raiders kind of got back into it, but... Uh, I, I felt that they figured out a lot of their problems on offense in terms of balancing out like, hey, we're going to hit a screen here and maybe we'll take a deep shot here. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Joe Lombardi, uh, flea flicker? No. Oh, yeah. Let's, we can let's, that. <laughs> let's never do that again. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, all my criticisms of Joe Lombardi aside, I do think he should have tried to get Mike Williams a little bit more involved in this game, especially given the Raiders pass uh, coverage deficiencies. Like, you know, it was a ballsy strategy to be like, Hey, we're just going to put Austin Eckler and Larry Roundtree there. And we're going to let him bleed out the clock and go from mm-hmm. there. Right. Uh, and basically, you know, take us home. Uh, and so, you know, I think that he saw that, Hey, look, this Raiders defense is really worn out uh, and we're going to kind of break them. Uh, and so I thought that that was a really great strategy by him uh and so you know i i don't know if i would say it was a perfect game for lombardi but i thought for this offense in general uh it was it was as good of a game as they needed yeah i'm definitely not you know saying that joe lombardi is perfect or anything like that and i i I do think people on twitter are being too hard on him because you know everybody right now seems to be obsessed with like the lack of 50 60 yard touchdowns and i get that but, you know, Mike Williams was, you know, inches there away from one. getting one. Mm-hmm. There was one. Keenan Allen dropped another one. And, you know, Daniel Popper pointed out on his stream that the Chargers have 26 explosive passing plays right now, which is 15 yards or more. And that's third in the league. So they are throwing the ball down the field. They're just not getting, you know, the 50, 60 yard touchdowns like they were last year. Um, but to me, that's okay. Like we wanted to see. Justin Herbert grow in the areas that he has been and taking more singles, taking more doubles, not always having to rely on the kill shots. And he's been doing that. He's been fantastic. I know yesterday he didn't have, you know, a ton of yards, but you know, the way that he handled the pressure, the way that he was reading the defense, like if you go back and watch his touchdown to uh, Donald Parham, he really is like toying with Corey Littleton. You know, he's looking left, looking left, looking left, and then he comes back to the middle right at the last second and throws a dart to Donald Parham. So we're seeing Justin Herbert grow a ton, and I think Joe Lombardi is playing a role in that. And I do think that, you know, the deep bombs to Jalen Guy, and I I keep on saying this, but maybe they're not, but I feel like they are coming eventually um, just because, you know, they're working them. They are calling those plays. It's just that he is, you know, going in other directions. Yeah, no, those deep those deep passes will come. I I think maybe a little bit more talent in the receiving core where you have another guy who can actually do that would yeah. help. I'm not going to talk about the other guy, but you know Gruden and you saw last night in the fourth quarter in the second half, Gruden loves to dial up those play action bombs, those big bombs. 
and Lombardi being kind of a, a branch from the tree of John Gruden. I think yeah. I think it'll come together. But right now, you know, they wanted to start with whatever Herbert was comfortable with. Surprisingly, it seems like this intermediate game is more he's more comfortable with. It's more sustainable, I guess. Um, so it, it's it's fine. I'm not worried about the big plays at all. Yeah, and I think there's been a bit of a formula to these games that the Chargers have done where they sort of do this like early feeling out process, maybe like the first quarter, a little bit into the second quarter, and then they start to see, hey, this is what we're going to be comfortable with for the rest of the game, right? This is what our bread and butter is going to be until the defense makes an adjustment, right? And that's sort of why they transition uh, transition to the Eckler Roundtree strategy uh, in the second half, and I think why they you know really started to get all these tight ends involved. Uh, particularly as well, right? So they're just going to see, hey, this is what is going to give the defense trouble, and we're going to start doing that, right? I don't think they necessarily came into the game with the intention of, like, we're just going to force feed Jared Cook, Donald Barham, and Mike Williams and Keenan Allen will combine right. for 40 yards. But I think that's how the game played out. And, you know, you take the win however you can get it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing right now is the results are working, so... You know, if it takes, you know, these kind of results from Keenan Allen and Mike Williams to get the win, then you'll take that, right? Um, let's shift gears and talk about the defense now, because obviously we've spent about 20 minutes talking about the offense. Um, Tyler, what's kind of your big takeaway from the defensive side of the ball uh, from last night? I mean, Drew Tranquil and Kaiser White are it. I mean, they're not perfect by any means, but they make plays. They had over the last two games. Seven pressures, two sacks, 18 tackles, nine run stops, and have only allowed 64 yards in coverage, which is awesome considering the talent that they faced. Tranquil, look, I don't know where it came from. We started the year thinking he was going to be the main linebacker. It somehow switched to Murray. I don't know how much of that was Tranquil's previous injury or the fact that Murray is a first former first-round pick. I don't know what happened or why Tranquil wasn't the guy, but he was amazing in the preseason. Then they finally put him in these last couple of games, and he's been on fire. I, I don't I remember. He's just reacting to everything so well. He's downhill. The blitzes are amazing. I'm going to try to break down the blitzes this week. They're a duo you cannot keep off the field. And Kaiser White, you know, I'm, even though the, the Raiders were driving, I'm sitting in the same end zone that they're about to score, and they do end up eventually scoring. But Kaiser White, you can see him yelling at everyone in a good way, pumping them up. Like We, we, we end this now. We stop this now. You can see him pointing. He's just become a fire in the defense. He absolutely deserves to be back next season if he can stay healthy. I think even if he can't, he can. He should, he should stick around if for anything else having a really solid role. But, I mean, he's he's become quite the player. Both guys look outstanding out there. and um, But they were helped out by the interior defensive line, which I'm sure you guys want to talk about. Yeah, I, I think that the... The Kenneth Murray thing is weird because I did not think about Kenneth Murray like most of the game. Um, (laughs) And Mm -hmm. it was just weird to be like, well, like we knew he had not been playing well. But, you know, I I didn't think that the difference between him and Tranquil on the field would be this drastic. Like it was just evident on every play, whether it was a run stop, whether it was a blitz, whatever it was. um, Tranquil was just really more efficient and, and just more hard hitting I felt versus you know what Steven has described in previous weeks which is you know Kenneth Murray kind of like letting the game come to him as opposed to sort of asserting Mm -hmm. himself um so I really just like I don't think you can keep trying home white off the field at this point and the run defense was noticeably better um obviously you had different guys in the interior line that also sort of stopped Jacobs to some extent um 
I don't know if this is a performance that really gets you going in terms of what the future might be uh, like, because, uh, you know, Josh Jacobs very clearly is not 100% and sure, the Raiders absolutely. interior offensive line uh, is, is not what it should be. Uh, but, you know, this is something you can build, I think, in terms of traits and tendencies going forward, especially now since Justin Jones is unfortunately on IR. Um, and they sort of have to make uh, the run defense. It, it is what it is for the next three weeks, right? Kenneth Murray uh, also on IR. So that's sort of the, what the Chargers are going to have to live with. Um, I thought they did a good game, uh, did a good job this game. Obviously, Forrest Merrill played pretty well, had a couple run stops uh, that I, I think he deserves credit for. Uh, I don't, I, I, saw, I noticed Braden Fahoko, obviously, a couple times he sort of popped. But it was just a, an all-around good game uh, in terms of what they were doing on the defensive line. Obviously, you talk about the pressure that Joey Bosa and Kyler Fackrell and Jerry Tillery and all those guys were bringing, which was awesome to see. Yeah. Um, but I, I thought that the real X factor of this game, particularly whenever the Raiders got into the red zone too, uh, was, okay, what are they going to do about Josh Jacobs? And truthfully, like there, there was, you know, they clogged him up <laughs> and they did it pretty successfully a couple times, even though he was injured. Uh, I thought that they showed some good signs. Uh, not saying that's going to carry over into Nick Chubb and, right, you know, uh, right. the week after that, you got Lamar Jackson and, you know, all the Ravens, you know, running backs. But uh, I think that this is something you can kind of build off of. No, it definitely is a different challenge this week, but you know, the, this, this kind of had the makings of a get right game in terms of the defensive line. And that's what it ended up being. You know, everybody that went against Alex Leatherwood got pressure on Derek Carr and everybody that was in the middle, you know, got some tackles for loss. And I, you know, I do agree with Tyler that, you know, Kaiser White and Drew Tranquil were, they were awesome last night. You know, Kaiser White had a couple of tackles for loss. Drew Tranquil, you know, had a couple of pressures. And we didn't get the turnover, but, you know, we were close to getting a sack. So um, it, it's been really interesting watching the development of the linebacker room, because like if you would have told me before the season, like, oh, the Chargers are going to have the, the one linebacker that's going to be getting, you know, a good amount of tackles for loss. He's going to be blitzing. He's going to be getting pressures. He's going to be getting a sack. I would have been like, OK, that's Kenneth Murray. Like, there we go. So seeing this version of Drew Twinkle is surprising because like he was he was really good as a rookie, but you know, the scheme is just different. It's not a lot of downhill things. And so you just didn't know that Drew Trinkle had this in him and, you know, the chargers need it. Absolutely. And I figured that having the decisiveness of, of Tranquil would help the run defense. And, and again, this, this Raiders team was not, you know, what we're used to seeing in terms of running the ball, but they played really well, man. And, you know, Forrest Merrill, I think he only played five snaps and he had two run stops three snaps. Okay. So there we go. Talk about efficiency. He is this year's version of Donald Parham apparently. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting to see how that rotation pans out going forward because the Justin Jones situation is very strange. And, you know, I, I think Jerry Tillery played well last night. He played well against the chiefs, but I still need to think that, you know, he needs to do more in the rushing attack, you know, purposes and Christian Covington needs to keep getting better. Um, so I was kind of surprised that Merrill and Fahoko didn't really play that much, uh, especially because Jerry Tillier was out for, I think, like a series and a half ish after he like went down with a cramp himself. So um, I was definitely surprised. And that's something to keep an eye on for sure in terms of Forrest Merrill and potentially elevating uh, Brayden Fahoko again next week. 
Yeah, I think Fahoka had one snap and Merrill had three, which was definitely a surprise. I was waiting, okay, like, where's 96? Where's 91? Like, when are these guys going to come out? Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, Gaziano came out, and Gaziano is, based on the snaps, he's the backup to Jerry Tillery, so he is the defensive tackle number three. But, yeah, I, yeah, I would be interested to see how the other... But then again, the, the Raiders did not have a first down until, was it the third quarter or not until a penalty in the, in the end of the second half or the first half? So it's not like... They needed to sustain long drives. Like I know, Stephen, you pointed out the first game against the Chiefs. Aaron Banks was already, or Eric Banks was already in the game. I wish it was Aaron Banks, man. (laughs) (laughs) True. No kidding. But um, Eric Banks was already in the game on their first drive because the Chiefs were driving. The Raiders just never did it. So the defensive line was always fresh, and they looked really good. Yeah, and I just think going forward. Like, this is probably the roughest it's going to look on some level because I think they kind of get better from here, right? Like, obviously, this is sort of the first week where they're, like, sort of stunned. Like, okay, well, Kenneth Murray and Justin Jones aren't going to be available for the next month, uh, you know, and they just kind of had to, like, piece together whatever the game plan was last night sort of without them. So I think that going forward, while there will be very staunch tests against Baltimore and against Cleveland, like, feel like they'll kind of be more ready than for those games than they were not saying they'll necessarily have better performances but i i think that there's a path to hey maybe forrest merrill has you know six snaps next game maybe we start to get everybody kind of more involved and acclimated to this new reality uh, of the rush defense in particular yeah it's gonna be really interesting this week because brandon staley's you know his whole scheme right is is predicated on uh, essentially, you know, daring you to take these short passing game and, and the rushing attack, and we're just not going to let you beat us deep. The, the Browns don't do that a whole lot. It's a lot of screens. It's a lot of yeah. using Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in the running game, a lot of bootlegs. So I, I'm really excited to see what kind of adjustment Brandon Staley makes this week. Um, to uh, Clown and Dan's point, like, Nasir Adderley is really flying around. He's really playing with a lot of confidence um, these days. And, and whether it's coming up in report, diagnosing plus his pass breakup on rugs was mm. such a good play. Very high level safety stuff. Um, I know everybody was you know upset about the touchdown, but I don't really you know blame him that much. Um, the penalty, I thought, you know, at least like he's being aggressive, he's stressing his instincts, he's flying around, but Outside of the penalty and the touchdown, I thought Adderley was fantastic last night. Um, him and Derwin James are finally really pairing, playing at the pairing that we would have thought. And so, you know, I'm really excited to see Adderley continue to grow. And the Chargers needed this. Like, the Chargers needed Nasir Adderley to play at this kind of level in order to reach their ceiling. And it's been really fun to watch. I do think the turnovers are going to start coming. But, you know, Adderley's playing very, very well right now. Go ahead, Alex. No, no, yeah, no. I thought it was just a really good game from Adderley. Obviously, a great game from Derwin. Uh, a great game from Michael Davis, too. Like, he was yeah. just crushing guys out there on tackles. Yes. Like, there mm-hmm. was, uh, I forget what the first tackle, like, early in that game was. Uh, I don't quite remember I want who. I say it was on Drake. Yeah, I think so, where he just, like, crushed him right before he got to the line. And you could, like, hear it through the TV. It was so loud. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he's just been a really physical, constant tackler. And that's something that used to be a problem with, for him, you know, a couple of years ago. Um, but he's really improved in that regard, just using his physicality and leaning into it. Um, so that's been awesome to see. 
Uh, I didn't love the performance of Asante Samuel Jr. this week. I don't think he'll be getting another Pepsi belt. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's going to be in the cards, but yeah, he's not nominated. Yeah, I I would assume so. Um, you know, the PI wasn't great. Um, although he kind of gets boned because PI is a spot foul in the NFL as opposed to college, you know, but, uh, didn't think he was that great. Um, but no, I, I really think Adderley James, uh, and Michael Davis, just really carried the whole group. Uh, and I, I thought that that was just a great thing to see because we sort of saw it last week, but just to see kind of repeated efforts like this, where if you have those three guys uh, playing at the levels that they are, it's really hard to have a bad secondary, even if you're missing Chris Harris and, and missing some other pieces here and there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was particularly with Derwin and with Davis covering Waller. Thank you, Arjun. You're in the chat and thank you for this. Uh, according to Pro Football Focus, Derwin and Davis covered uh, Waller on X amount of snaps, but they were targeted four times in coverage, and they only gave up one catch for 18 yards, and Derwin had a pick. I mean, if you can have those two guys shut down, basically shut down Darren Waller like that, one catch on four targets, on another one was an interception, like, that's, that's good stuff, man. That's yeah. amazing. That is amazing. And they've done a really good job over the last two weeks with two elite tight ends. They really have, and, you know, we talked about this team solving issues and problem solving, right? We all saw the Cowboys game. We all saw how much of a problem tackling was against Zeke and Tony Pollard and them. And they tackled for the most part at a very high level yesterday against the Raiders and Michael Davis in particular. Like I know Mm -hmm. he did technically miss one, I think on Renfro, but those two tackles in space that he had, like he's not making those kind of tackles two years ago. So the, the kind of growth from Michael Davis that we've seen is fantastic. The pass interference thing, like, I hate talking about the refs because, you know, it was already yesterday, but <laughs> I I cannot stand the fact that a pass interference penalty is 45 yards. Like, Derek Carr yeah. is just chucking this ball up as far as he can, underthrows it, and, yeah, something didn't you know, really play it, you know, make it play on the ball very well. But, man, like, <laughs> how is it a 45-yard penalty? It really freaking drives me nuts, yeah. man. Yeah, I mean, but that also plays into, I think, what the Chargers ammo is on fourth down a lot of the times, right? It's just like, well, we're going to take this shot. And even if it's not complete, maybe there's a chance some flag gets called, right? There was the uh, fourth and nine, right, at the uh, towards the end of the Chiefs game where they do get that P.I. call. So it's just like it kind of reaffirms that going forward is the right thing to do. Uh, But I I definitely do agree. I I think the spot foul nature of the NFL and just being able to chuck it up on a lot of drives that that can drive people crazy. Well, wow. I didn't know this, but apparently the Raiders signed Brandon face on off the practice squad today. It's interesting. So, so he face on had been protected, but I'm guessing right. that uh, was not the case this week. I wonder who they protected then. I mean, Fahoko. So who was it last week? It was Fahoko face on. It's been face on and more, more? every week. Yeah, and then in the first couple of weeks it was Joe Gaziano and mm-hmm. uh, Merrill. Last week it was Fahoko, Moore, Faceon, and I and someone else I can't remember. Also got a super chat from NV Talent. Problem solving is KJ Hill got sat. Also, win streak seems plausible now. Did KJ Hill get sat? Um, I don't think not as did. a punt returner. I just not don't think he returner. was. I don't recall him out being out there as, as a receiver. Josh no. Palmer was out there a good bit, and there were some instances where Palmer yeah. was out there instead of Williams, which I thought was interesting. I don't believe he had a target, and I don't think he had a catch either. 
But it was interesting to see. I thought Williams was hurt at one point because Palmer was out there instead. Yeah, I mean, I guess my I think wide receiving is like one of the things Kitchen Hill does well. It's it's, it's the returning that's <laughs> yes. really the problem. I mean, he right. had those two clutch catches in the Washington game to give him credit. Um, but yeah, no, I, I ooh, the KJ Hill power return thing, like special teams is such special teams is such a mess with their blocking and they're lucky they didn't really have to take any field goals this game. Otherwise, I think people would have been talking about it more. Obviously, the fake 54 yard field goal was kind of fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, that was fun. But, yeah, that was fun. Uh, but yeah, KJ Hill stepping out of bounds again and just looking like the slowest person I've ever seen uh, do mm-hmm. anything. That's <laughs> they, they gotta yeah. pull them off. I can't. I can't watch more weeks of this. It's like watching a yeah. horror movie from you know Alfred Hitchcock. Like every time <laughs> the ball's about to be punted, like it's terrible. Yeah, interesting uh, comparison. Right, you know, KJ caught another one out of bounds. I must have missed that one. Uh, so, okay, I'll be completely honest. I dogged on him against the Chiefs when he did it. It actually looked intentional this time, or it was he's either that bad <laughs> or it looked okay. intentional because he caught it and it looked like he took his right foot and went a whole yard to the right to step out, basically like a almost like a fair catch, practically. So it wow. looked intentional, and I've been harping on how much I don't like Hill there, but I don't know. He, I don't he trust him go- after last week. <laughs> <laughs> sure. No, no, I'm not giving him the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> but yeah. All right. It's, uh, you know, I, I follow Nate Tice on Twitter and, and, you know, one thing he was saying is that like, man, the Chargers could use some more speed and, you know, they, they keep KJ Hill because of his punt return ability, but he's slow, doesn't really provide much on offense and now he's not really providing much on punt return. So, no, I don't know. Like, it's just, it, it feels like they're kind of waiting for, you know, a catastrophic mistake by him yeah. in order to move on, which I just, I hate that <laughs> approach. Like, uh, at this point, you know, activate Maurice French for a game. You know, he ran like a mm-hmm. 4-3-7 or something at Pitt. Activate him for a game, see what you have, and, uh, you know, give him a competition at least. And, you know, as Kevin points out, the Jakeem Grant thing really was like trading him for a 2023-6. You couldn't even do it. It was 2023? Yeah, it wasn't even this That's upcoming even worse. Draft. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I no. know. Yeah, and I just, like, for me, you, I don't even know if it's that, like, you have to activate somebody like that. Like, I would just try and trial and error and see what you can get. Like, you know, Larry Roundtree's been okay kick returning, and they just sort of, you know, tried that based on his special teams value. Like, I don't think it's that hard to, like, necessarily go grab another wide receiver, quarterback, right. running back, and just say, hey, you want to try this this week? And go with it. Now the time to kind of do that was the preseason, but they only did KJ Hill in the preseason other than Austin Prohl, who sort of competed with him until he got injured. Um, So that's sort of why they're in this position. I will say, you know who looked really good on not a return, but on a run? Jalen Guyton. He looked actually very elusive. I I think you got to give him a shot. Like, I really think you at least get some speed out of him, right? Like, I don't know if we're just, listen, if anybody can catch a ball like this, it's Jalen Guyton. So I say give him a shot because it ain't working with Hill. And, and Guyton has had some good runs. Washington football team game broke like four tackles down the sideline. Yeah. Pretty solid run. He had two rushes for 20 yards yesterday. I'd give him a shot because it ain't working right now. No, I, and I think like you're in this weird stage because as, as Bolt Brett does point out, like they clearly like KJ because they trust his decision making. They trust that he's going to be reliable back there and catch the ball. 
but it's like i would like to have something so like <laughs> do you prefer to you know take a punt returner who can you know give you more of a spark but potentially you know muff a kick here and there or the guy who's just potentially not going to drop any and give you essentially nothing um, well it, like, it's a weird spot to be in and even though kj might not muff a punt like you know you go back to when he uh called the punt at the two like you know yeah, maybe, yeah. That's not, maybe that's not muffing the punt but that's you know a net difference of 23 yards right yeah. like if they just give him the touchback so you know there is definitely even though he's not going to muff punts and he has good hands like there's definitely a you know, uh, just like a intelligence quotient in terms of like when you're going to return stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I think, you know, there are people asking about Larry Roundtree as a punt returner. I think as a kick returner, he's fine, right? Because he has that time to build up his speed. Yes. He's, he's not a short area quickness kind of person. And that's what you need as a punt returner. You've got to be able to make someone miss in an instant. And that's just really not his game. So um, I don't know. It, it's going to be interesting. I, obviously, I'm not rooting for you know, a catastrophic muffed punt, but like I, I need to see a change back there at some point for some reason. Yeah. It's not going to happen. <laughs> it's not going to happen. It, was it, was it in the preseason or was it in the first game where he let a punt bounce for 18 yards? That was the Washington football team game and he okay. barely got out of the way of it. Yeah. So I don't know, just, just give me something. I know some people are commenting about Brandon cooks. I think cooks probably is a little too expensive for Tom Telesco. Like I'm not against that idea of, of adding mm-hmm. cooks into this receiver room because he is so good. He's so fast, but I think he probably would cost a little bit too much for uh Telesco's liking. But it'd be fun. It would be super fun. I, 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 I kind of think the Texans want to see Tyrod Taylor for the games yeah. that he has left when he comes back with Brandon Cooks. Because, yeah. I, I mean, he, I think he still leads the league in QBR, even though it's been a game and a half. But I think he leads the league in QBR. Dude, he's like second in the league in yards per attempt right now. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> As we all thought. As we all thought. Um, all right, guys, any uh, other thoughts here? You know, just general stuff before we get on to uh, some studs and duds. I'm okay. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So after we do studs and duds, we'll get to some questions. Again, we'll, we'll shout out some stuff as we are uh, watching here. But let's get mm-hmm. to these studs and duds. Um, Alex, who? let's start with you. Who is your stud of the evening? Uh, I thought about it. Yeah, no, I, I think the stud definitely has to be Austin Eckler. Uh, I'm going to go with him. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we hadn't really seen like an explosive game from him yet. Um, but when the Chargers needed him, like, hey, here he is, you know, just five yards here, big seven yard chunk here, uh, you know, a 20 yard run, you know, to the opposing red zone. Like he was just all over the place. And like, it just became very clear that the Raiders didn't really have an answer for him because they kind of kept alternating for large portions of that game between his passing or between his passing ability and his uh, rushing ability. And then kind of leaned on the more of the rushing towards the end. Um, But I thought he was just really explosive, had kind of nice, you know, communication with the line for the most part. Uh, and I thought that it just worked really well. Um, and they ran him to the left side quite a lot because yeah. that's the side to go to as opposed to the other one. But uh, I, I really <laughs> like what Austin Eckler showed in this game when it came to just, you know, his decisiveness, right? Because the Chargers have sort of been playing without much of an emphasis on the running attack. Obviously, they have been running the ball. But it was nice to see, okay, this is where Austin Eckler is really going to, you know, excel. 
Um, so I really like seeing this game from him. It had a lot of, uh, you know, 2019, 2018 vibes uh, of what we saw from him just getting involved in the offense more. So I think my studs, Austin Eckler. I think that's the right choice. I first got the game ball from uh, Coach Staley afterwards. Yes. Um, some, you know, it's been 45 minutes or so. and We've barely talked about Joey Bosa today. Let's do it, man. Is, is crazy. Yeah. So I, I think like. You know, he's not getting the sacks at the same level of Miles Garrett right now, which nobody really is, which we'll definitely cover throughout the rest of this week. Um, but Joey Bosa, man, creating the amount of pressures that he is, mm-hmm. is just it's so much fun to watch on a weekly basis. And shout out to that one Chargers fan after week two that tried to tell me that Joey Bosa doesn't dominate enough, uh, <laughs> that he's not good enough. I will never forget that. Um, I, I think Bosa is playing at such a high level right now. And, you know, he really should have had two sacks because the missed holding mm-hmm. call that he got fired up about, mm-hmm. like he he was going to get Carr. And he still almost got Carr mm-hmm. after Leatherwood essentially clotheslined him. And, you know, he caused the when, you know, Derek Carr, you know, went into the feeble position like a little baby. <laughs> you know, that was all Joey Bosa. Yeah. You know, Joey Bosa created that mm-hmm. pressure and then Christ, and Christian Cummington got to clean it up. So. Joey Bosa is playing at such a high level right now. And if obviously there are probably are not many, you know, casual fans watching this podcast, but as a casual fan, getting to see Bosa and Miles Garrett on the same field at the same time yeah. uh, is going to be a mm-hmm. lot of fun to watch this week. Um, to me, those are the best two edge rushers in the sport. And, you yeah. know, just so happy that Joey Bosa is on our team because he is so, so good right now. Yeah, Joey Bosa. I mean, for him to call out the refs, call it was call awesome. Pitch, like he was just he was just in his bag. He was not having it yesterday. The guy went from not practicing at all and hurting his leg to 17 pressures and two sacks the last two weeks. I don't know what happened. It's like he broke his Dang. leg and it went back into place somehow and made him better. But he's just I love this version of Joey Bosa. Very reminiscent of the um Oh, we're talking about Arjun's quote, I think, right here. You want to talk about that, Steven? That's awesome. Yeah, this is, you know, Uchenna and Wilson getting the double teams more often than Bosa. Like, that's crazy high-level coaching by Staley and Jay Rogers. And, you know, they're doing it in a variety of ways, which, you know, I'm excited to see Tyler's breakdown on the blitzes and stuff like that. But, you know, they'll put him, they're putting Bosa up more against the guards this year. They're putting him more in a wide nine technique. And, you know, that sack that he did have, the forced fumble, like he goes from a wide nine to hit hitting Derek Carr in like the span of two seconds. Like his get off is crazy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, putting Tranquil right there, who's like I said earlier, surprisingly, yes. you know, very good pass rusher at this point next to Bosa. You know, last game we saw Unwosu and Bosa right next to each other a couple of times. I don't know if we saw that much in this game. But, you know, we all needed to see Bosa get more one-on-ones, and Brandon Staley is doing that right now. That's an amazing stat. I can't believe it. That's uh, good for him, man. That's great. And the integration of Drew Tranquil as a blitzer as well to free up those one-on-ones, it's been it's been perfect. And also, the, the plays that won't count are the fact that I think Bosa caused, caused like two false starts by Alex Leatherwood. I don't know if he was yeah. lined up across him at that time, but Leatherwood gave up that bad sack, and he was just shaking in his boots the rest of this game. So... Those don't show up on the shat stat shat sheet. Jesus, shat sheet. <laughs> shat sheet. <laughs> Is the shat sheet what we call like Trey Pipkin's preseason blocking numbers? Or... Yeah, something like that. Jeez, the guys, Trey Pipkin's. I mean, I don't know if I'm not gonna. I'll, I'll do my stud, and then sure, I'll get into Pipkin's as my dud. 
Um, <laughs> uh, my stud, then I got to go with Ode Abuji. I'm going to go mm. some love to the trenches. I haven't watched the tape, but I have to give some love to the fact that like he's, he had zero pressures allowed. <laughs> and right. even with the, honestly, the rough training camp, I never bought him into him being as bad as people were making him out to be because I, I saw it in a real game against Washington football team last year. He allowed zero pressures last night. If he can stay healthy, the Chargers will have four of their five line spots figured out next year, which is crazy because heading into this free agent period, they only had one of those five figured out. So they thought, of course, Balaga has not been consistent at all. But I mean, they're, for them to just basically have four spots figured out with really solid talent and only need to just you know, get right tackle. And then now you can draft other players to build in the depth of the offensive line. Yeah. He's been great for them. Through four weeks last season, the right guards gave up 13 pressures last year. This year, Abuji's only allowed five. It's been really, really solid so far. Night and day difference, at least in pass protection. So I got to give it up to him. Yeah, it really has been. And the the four, again, the right the right tackle spot is a different story. But <laughs> the four are playing at such a very it, it's such a high level right now. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I went just by comparison. And last year uh, of the starters, the players who like started multiple games, Brian Balaga had the highest PFF grade at like sixty one uh, for oh, yeah. the season. And mm-hmm. this year, all four of the other ones, they're all, you know, above that mark at least. So they're all playing at a high level. I think Abuji is at like the 26th guard overall, which is fantastic. <laughs> God, thank you. Hi, Mom. Yeah, let's go. Mama shoot. Um, Hello, Mom. <laughs> but you've like PFF is really, again, it's PFF grades. And I think, you know, you take them with a grain of salt. Obviously, you're looking for some correlation, right? And the film is matching it. And so you have mm-hmm. Rashawn Slater is the sixth highest overall tackle. You have Matt Filer, who is the fifth highest overall guard, and mm. Corey Lindsley is the sixth highest overall center. Mm. So they're playing at a really high level, and I'm glad that you know other people besides me are starting to take take notice of this. Yeah, uh, PFF grades are the best. <laughs> All right, Arjun, thank you. Um, did you, Stephen? Did you see Duke Many where there's um, play of Rashawn Slater basically getting beaten by Ngakwe, but then recovering uh, and then driving like the flex? That was amazing. What a yeah. great play. I mean, I, I could have chosen Slater as the stud today. Sure. There's a couple miscommunications between he and Filer, which you know, I think is correctable. Mm-hmm. But he only got beaten once by Yannick Ngakwe. And after all these fucking Raiders fans were in my mentions about Rashawn yes. Slater not being capable of taking on Yannick Ngakwe or Max Crosby. And that's a big suck it from Rashawn Slater. Yeah. No, the, the yeah. four. Sorry, go for it. No, I just wanted to say this is a quick aside because uh, I pretty much showed my mom that like Larry Roundtree video we did and it's like one <laughs> of the first videos she's watched. So Tyler's, you know, family is really integrated with how to use super chats and all that. And my mom was like, how do I like the video? How do I like, am I supposed to support you in this venture? <laughs> so I think my mom's a little lukewarm on everything, but, uh, you know, I'm happy that the shooting family is here to support us. Yes, my mom um, has a 10-minute break in between clients, so she's using that right now to watch a stream, send in a super chat, that she's going to go back to saving the world and being an awesome marriage and family therapist. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that saving the world is much more important than this podcast. <laughs> no! <laughs> um, no, but I, I thought, going back to Joey Bosa, that he was great uh, in this game. Just 
and and they've really done a good job i think of not just scheming one-on-ones but like kind of mixing up like who's coming with him on certain plays right like we've seen plays yeah. where it's like hey derwin james is gonna rush we've seen plays where it's you know somebody like christian covington's going to be the guy that has a chance to get the sack here uh or you know jerry tillery right so it's not necessarily like consistent every play or like we've seen in the last two games Drew Tranquil just coming out of nowhere and just being this, right. you know, wrecking ball. So I think they now with Bosa have guys that they can kind of mix in there and, and get those remaining pressures. Uh, you know, Bosa is going to get say five, 10 a game, you know, around there. I think they have guys that are now capable of getting say the other 10 pressures. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, Bosa is getting the, the necessary help. It still feels like, this team needs to go get another difference maker next year, but you know, the other guys are playing well in their roles for now. And that's all that they need now that the, the chargers need right now, just stay healthy and, and, mm-hmm. you know, figure the rest out with scheme and, and supportive players. So, um, all right, let's talk about some duds. I think this one's a little tough for me because I think you guys could talk about storm Norton. I don't really want to talk about storm Norton until I watch the film. No, I didn't <laughs> really get a grasp of it. Um, so for me, like, I've kind of harped on Justin Jackson already before, but yeah, I, I just seeing him get benched like that for Larry Roundtree, I think really kind of shows where he's at. And, mm-hmm. you know, he just, I don't know what it is, but when he's catching the passes, he looks great when yep. he's, you know, rushing behind the offensive line, waiting for contact. It just feels like he is in a similar spot mentally as Kenneth Murray, where he doesn't really trust mm-hmm. himself. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know, you know, where these angles that he wants to work. And so for me, Justin Jackson, like I, I don't need a ton of production from my third running back or even second running back when Austin Eckler is playing at the level that he is. But I, I need to see Justin Jackson like be a potential difference maker. Like if Austin Eckler goes down, Justin Jackson is going to be his replacement. And we just haven't really seen much of anything from Justin Jackson this year. And it did not look pretty yesterday. No, so the point where I was wondering, like, why are these plays taking so long to, to develop? Like, I hate watching these plays take so long. But then Eckler goes in, and everything's just downhill, forward, five yards, six yards, yeah. seven yards. And then Jackson goes in, got some good catches. You know, he, he picks up his yards in the passing game, no problem. But in the run game, sometimes and sometimes he has a good moments. He can break some things, but it's just like, wh- where am I going? Boom, tackled. Like, there's only so long the offensive line could hold up. There's only so long Storm Norton could hold up. It just wasn't great. Obviously, there was that one play where Herbert should have kept it that set up Jackson to, you know, get demolished in the backfield because Herbert yeah. had kept it and gone to the outside. But, you know, it, it is what it is. But, yeah, that's that's a tough one. Find a different way to get him involved. If Roundtree is now your your runner, as he should be, get him involved. Put him in the slot. Put him out wide. Get him in the screen game. Whatever. Like, Justin Jackson has value as a pass catcher. But right now in the run game, it does not look good. Uh, my dud, I'm going to go with Trey Pipkins because he's not even the four-string right tackle. And he's been demoted from the extra tackle they added in substitution. It is now yeah. Michael Schofield as, is the substituting tackle, whatever you call it. I, I actually have no idea why he's on the team still at this point. If you're not the four-string right tackle, you're not even the substitution tackle, what are you doing on the roster? Like, I just don't – unless he is, like, the left backup left tackle. I mean, he is. That, that's is it. He's the backup left tackle. And even then, I don't Crunch. know if he really is. Like, what are you doing on the roster, man? You're kind of useless at this point. I am glad they benched him because he had that false start that almost cost them the game a week ago. But like, geez, dude, like what a dud. Not, not, not good. Not good. 
And Schofield played 10 snaps. Like it, it, they they have a role there for that six offensive sure. lineman. And it's not Trey Pipkins. And it really pisses me off because they're, you know, Brendan Hymas is a healthy scratch now because Trey yeah. Pipkins has to be the left tackle. It, it's a that one's an annoying situation for sure. Um, mm. all right, Alex, who is your dud for the day? I was going to say, remember when Telesco had the whole press conference where he was bullish on Pipkins? Yeah. And last <laughs> left tackle while, feet. Huh? <laughs> left tackle feet. Bullish in that he's like, Ole, get out of here. Like, bullish in go. that he was like, bullshit. But, you know, <laughs> Maybe that's what he said. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with another offensive lineman that's not Storm Norton. I'm going to go with Matt Filer for my dud of the game. Did yeah. give up two sacks in this one in addition to five pressures and three hits on Justin Herbert, uh, particularly one Darius Pylon sack. Uh, welcome back to playing the Chargers. Uh, so, you know, that uh, wasn't great. Uh, a lot of his stuff came with miscommunications with Slater, which isn't entirely on him. But this actually, I believe, was uh, one of his lower graded uh, pass games. There's the uh, lowest, yeah. Yeah, it's, I think it's the lowest graded pass yeah. game for him. So, uh, not great. Uh, I thought it could have been a lot better. Um, it, it's, you know, not something that I see being an issue going forward. But just for context, the first three games, he had allowed five pressures in three games. He allows five pressures last night. Uh, and then he allowed mm-hmm. one sack, uh, obviously, in the first three games and two last night. So, it's not, you know, a big deal going forward. But I do think Matt Filer is someone we need to see a little bit more out of, especially uh, next week against, uh, I mean, really the next two weeks in the defensive lines are playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there were the three times that there were was a free rusher on Justin Herbert, and all three ended up in hits, which is yeah. very unfortunate. But um, to me, I mean, it, it's nitpicking, but, you know, Yannick Ngakwe's free hit on Justin Herbert, to me, probably is Rashawn Slater's fault. Um, so I think you could swap, you know, one pressure from Filer and add it to Slater if you wanted to. Um, but again, that's really kind of nitpicking and, and kind of based on whoever's watching. But the Darius Phylon one, it was really, really weird because it looked like Corey Lindsley was sliding left and it looked like Matt Filer was sliding right. So they kind of like mm-hmm. ran into each other and then Phylon just had a free shot. So it looked there was definitely a miscommunication there. It looked like Filer was expecting Slater to be there to take on Phylon. Um, mm-hmm. okay. Filer and Phylon, really annoying right there. Nice. Um, but so there was definitely some miscommunications there. The one um, that Carl, I think it was Carl Nassib, had off the right side. Everybody was kind of blaming Storm Norton, and that probably is reflected in the grades. But to me, that one was on Justin Herbert because they were showing six rushers. Mm. And they only had five in protection. It was an empty set. And so Herbert's got to be able to get the ball, get rid of the ball quicker on that one. So if it were me, like looking at that, I probably would have had Slater for one, Filer for the other, and then Herbert for the other ones. But again, that's kind of dependent on who is watching. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, I want to give one more dud. It's, it's not that Keenan Allen is a dud, but it's some combination of his drops and then partially his usage. I'll have to watch it, but. In the last two weeks, he has 15 catches for 86 yards. Oh. And, like, you're doing something wrong if that's his stat line. I'm sure he can do better than that. Now, granted, there are, if I, there's drops, so the yards would be better. But then what does he have, like, 17 catches for 104 yards? Like, it's not a whole lot better. I just am seeing a lot of, you know, the best they can draw up for him on third down and six is, like, a three-yard check down. Like, 
Justin Jackson's kind of a check down, but Keenan Allen's your number one wide receiver. And, yeah. you know, he's only dropped two passes according to profile, but focus the last two weeks. So like, what are we doing here? 15 catches for 86 yards. Isn't good. I don't know why. I don't know what the problem is I, other than just kind of, I'm just at these games watching them, but if I had to go, I want to go back and look and see what's going on because you, you, that that's horrible. And he has to be better yeah. than that team has to be better than that. I don't know. I'm not really sure what's going on. A lot of crucial, you know, first down catches. Don't get me wrong. I think he has like seven first, eight first down <laughs> catches or whatever, but yeah. 86 yards on 15 catches isn't good. That's, that's what Jalen Waddles for. <laughs> <laughs> the guy had like 10 points on my fantasy bench yesterday, but he had like 30 <laughs> yards. I'm like, come oh, on. Um, but it is interesting. Like Keenan tied for second in the league with four drops. And so he, they have him as two drops over the last two weeks. They didn't have him with two from yesterday. I believe it was two of the last two weeks. Okay, yeah. so to to me, because he had the third down drop, which led to the Jared Cook fourth down conversion, and then the deep over route was to me another drop. So to me, like if I'm charting that, that's probably two drops. But um, you know, again, that, that could be nitpicking. But it, it's been interesting because we're seeing little glimpses here and there of the deep over routes of the deep shots, but. The last couple of weeks has been a lot of like hooks and slants and, and yeah. stop routes. And so I don't know, like maybe that's part of the game plan yeah. specific for the opponents. But yeah, I, I do think that, you know, we, we need to see him getting back to like the first couple of weeks where mm-hmm. you really saw him, you know, provide some explosive plays. Yeah. So he had two drops last night, but zero the week prior. So okay. two last okay. weeks, but two last night. Okay. That makes sense. Um, yeah, I think I'm just going to give out another dud right here. Uh, it's the John Gruden for making $100 million <laughs> and blaming the lightning delay for why they lost. Uh, so that's a big fat dud for you. Uh, I also forgot to say, I forgot to say this when we were talking about the Joey Bosa, Derek Carr stuff. I thought it was very funny how Joey Bosa was like, uh, no disrespect. I'm just stating the facts <laughs> in regards to uh, Carr, you know, cradling up into a ball. Because I feel like that was intentionally getting back at Carr for saying, uh, no disrespect, I'm just stating yes. the facts in relation to mm-hmm. Van and Dennis. So, yeah. got to show some love to Joey there. He, he yeah, unleashed his inner me. <laughs> he was really on one last night. I love it. Yeah. Um, I've also got to say, like, we haven't talked about it much, but ESPN can suck a big one because oh. that was... <laughs> That pregame show, man, was so annoying. I was like, I didn't get home from work until about 4.15. So I, I was watching, like, the final 45 minutes of the actual, you know, pregame show. And, like, when they were just talking about the game, like, they talked about other things, right? Like, they did Moss stuff and uh, come on, man. But when they were talking about the actual game, it was, like, all Derek Carr and all Max Crosby. And then they threw in, like, a Justin Herbert rookie thing. And then the the delay happens, and they come back from the delay, and it's all Derek Carr. I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. It was all Derek Carr for an hour and 15 minutes, and they're talking about the Chargers and Raiders game. And, like, if you want to talk about the Raiders, like, that's fine. Like, whatever. It's weird that you're not covering the home team. But I was just, like, really annoyed at the way that ESPN was covering that game. And then Steve Young, I've never seen anything like this. It's 90% Raider fans in here. Like, come on. Like, be objective. You're there to cover the game, not the Raiders. Yeah. And, it also and, wasn't 90% Raiders fans. Like, it was definitely a majority. Don't get me wrong. It was worse than the Cowboys game. It was not 90% Raiders fans. I'd say it was about 30% Chargers fans, 70% Raiders, and that one Miami Dolphins fan we saw. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I would say that 75 25 number whatever vivid seats sure released, that's that seems accurate you know sure. uh as far as everything goes i think the raiders fans were louder at the beginning of the game like when the chargers got booed entering the field um but they shut them up so i mean <laughs> there's not yeah. not a whole lot you could say there um but yeah i ESPN's coverage of Monday Night Football just fucking sucks. Like <laughs> Peyton and Eli have been doing this for three weeks, and they're better than anything those <laughs> morons can do on ESPN One. And now I, I can't watch them until Week Seven. I know. I like Lewis Riddick a lot. Lewis Riddick. I do like Lewis. Lewis Riddick is great, but uh, Brian Greasy and uh, Steve Levy have the personalities of sandpaper. <laughs> Hey, if Gruden gets fired soon, he's not getting fired. He's he's got oh, years yeah. on that contract. Mark Davis okay, is taking in twenty so years many. when you have to fire when they have to retire him forcefully. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, yeah, Mark uh, Davis has so many high interest loans. You know. Yeah. Talk about someone being broke. Um, all right. Let's uh, let's take some questions now. As always, the super chat feature should be enabled. Um, let's take some questions for about 10 minutes and then we'll wrap it up. Um, so if you guys see anything that you like, you know, we'll shout it out. Um, but yeah, hit us with some questions. Now, this is the time to ask us anything and we'll get to them. <laughs> A lot of great comments, guys, just no questions. So <laughs> throw in some questions Give or us just add a question, question mark after your comment. Same thing. That's fine. <laughs> oh, Aaron Vrabel's here. What up, Aaron Vrabel? Shout out to, uh, I forget his tailgate name, but he's a big time tailgater. So I uh, keep holding it down out there in Thunder Alley. I don't see it, but thanks for being there. Is anybody changing their mind? Are they going to the game next week? I know Steven will be there. I'll be there. Yes. Uh, a lot of people in the comments will be there, but uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a good one. And I, I'm assuming Browns fans aren't traveling all that well these days. Um, so hopefully, uh, We'll get yeah, a majority for once. There will be some. You know, they had a good presence in Kansas City. So, you know, I'm hoping that it, this is a 70-30 the other way for Charters fans. So, again, like I said, like, to me, this is one of the games that I had circled, you know, for this season. I think this is going to be a really fun matchup. There's so many, you know, fun storylines. Um, of course, it sucks that Jarvis Landry is not in this game because I think this really could have, you know, some fireworks in it. But uh, to me, like, if you're on the fence of going to this game, like, I recommend you get off and get your butt into the stands because it's going to be a great game. Uh, okay. How about this? How is your record now versus your predicted record prior to the season? I mean, That's technically a, a lot of us thought that the first four, like as we did these games, we predicted four wins or one loss to the chiefs. So I think like three and one is kind of what we expected to me. Like, Three and one sounds okay. Like I, I think I thought they'd beat the Chiefs, or excuse me, the, the Washington football team. The Cowboys were beatable. Apparently, they're the legit team. They're the team I kind of took the least seriously, especially their defense. Um, but I thought the Chargers would be eleven and six right before the season, and they're headed that way so far. So, but then again, it's the next two games for me. According to Skip Bayless, the Cowboys are the best team in the league. So there's that. I, I really think, much like Chiefs fans are feeling about the Chargers game, I think the Chargers win that game nine out of ten times. It just it was an awful set of circumstances. Yeah, it really was weird. Um, I thought that the Chargers would probably be two and two right now, just you know playing at Arrowhead sure. and not have expected a win. Um, so I I think we could maybe see like add another game. So if you want to go from 11 and six to 12 and five, that's probably where I'm at. 
you know, I, I still think that this team has some really tough games ahead. They're not going to go six and zero in the division. They'll lose one of those ones at least, maybe two. Um, so yeah, for me, I, I think I probably would up it from eleven and six to twelve and five right now. Yeah, I, I think you can talk about going maybe one game up. I think particularly the stretch that I'm actually looking at right now is really the stretch after the buy that I think they can start to really make some movement because we sort of circled that like Patriots, Eagles, Vikings stretch uh, that they have in there. And then uh, the Steelers are really going by the wayside. Big Ben looks terrible. Their whole offense looks terrible. So if you're looking for a four game win streak, I don't think that's a terrible suggestion. Not saying they're going to necessarily win all those games, but that's a stretch that I could realistically see them going three and one, maybe four and oh, in that yeah. I didn't quite think that way about before the season. So I think you gift them one more win uh, and say you know, 10 and seven to 11 and six or 11 and six to 12 and five based on their performance so far. Yeah. And that's another one. Like, with the way the Steelers are playing right now, like we need to show out for that game, like hundred percent, especially if it's still on Sunday night football. Um, I did look online. That is the first week technically that yeah. the NFL can flex a game. They're not going to flex the Steelers though. I feel, like <laughs> I feel like Steelers ownership would kill them for that. So. True. True. But just wanted to mention that. Um, interesting question here from Omar Reyes. Do you guys think the chargers are close to reaching their ceiling? Um, I'll take this one first. I think, honestly no like we're seeing them really kind of iron some things out right now you know like we talked about mike williams and keenan allen you know there were just some timing issues with with those two in particular last night we saw some timing issues with jared cook you know previously you know storm norton is you know up and down the defensive line has been kind of up and down so there are definitely some things that this team can improve upon but that's the great thing right they're three and one so you know they're ironing out these issues and they're still they're still able to win games and that's really what the season is about. I think so often as fans, we're looking for every single game for this team to play at their potential. And mm-hmm. that's just not really the case. Like the season is progressive. These teams get better. These players get better. They get more confidence as we're seeing with Nasir Adderley, Justin Herbert, all these guys. So I think, no, like I think they have a ways to go in terms of reaching their ceiling. But that's the really exciting thing is that they're three and one and they're not hitting their ceiling right now. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just about uh, getting everything right. Like, they played far from perfect football. I mean, as far as these first four games are concerned, they played really good football. Um, But, you know, like, it took till this week to not have, like, an illegal shift penalty. Like, you know, so we got out of the way of that one. But, um, you know, I think there's a lot of things that can still be improved. Uh, special teams particularly is one of them. Like if you have a punt returner or just like something that you can do in the margins, blocking better for Ty Long, please, you're going to get that man killed. Um, (laughs) But, you know, like I I think if they're just a little bit better on special teams and, you know, you add into that, like, hey, uh, Jalen Guyton starts to get maybe a bigger role in the offensive, more deep shots or, you know, this or that. I, I think it's really just about, the execution at this point and staying healthy. And if they can just get slightly better execution, maybe on some of these missed plays uh, or, you know, penalties that they had particularly in the first three weeks, then I think that they have a chance to be a really good team. So yeah, I would agree with Steven. I don't think they fit their ceiling yet. Yeah, not at all. I mean, we, we've talked about the last three weeks, maybe even four weeks, like, Oh, if they had these plays, these drops, this penalty, 
Herbert makes that throw to Williams, you know, the Chargers could be winning, you know, they'd be scoring 42. They haven't. Yeah. Like, and there's a reason for that because they just, not that I expect them to score 40 something every game, but there's just, there's like another touchdown missing. You know, there's just a, you know, Herbert missing that handoff here, a drop here, you know, not hitting Williams there, penalty here. You know, I, they're on their way, but like the, the special teams will haunt them at some point. I, I still think there's going to be a muffed punt something at the New England game because there always is. <laughs> So yeah, a game that, that I will now be attending. Very excited to see that. I'm so person. jealous that you want. I mean, I'll, I I won't be there because I'll be at a, a holiday thing. But I mean, the, congratulations, man! You get free tickets to the the Patriots yes. game. That's good stuff. Yes. You get to watch uh, Mac Jones. That's fun. <laughs> Chris um, Collins, yeah, like, favorite player. <laughs> oh, geez. Um, actually, this is kind of related to it. This one, you know, Josh Palmer. I'd love to see him get more involved, and that's that's part yeah. of the ceiling they haven't reached either. Is like yeah. they haven't really gotten Guyton involved much yet, and maybe that's partially his fault too. But they haven't gotten Josh Palmer involved yet. I think they're still like Roundtree still coming along, you know. And in theory, I don't know when Belaga is coming back now because he wasn't mentioned uh, with the, the return of the timetable with Murray and Jones. But if he comes back, that helps them reach their ceiling even more. So there's a lot of things they could definitely work on and they'll only get better, which is great because they have room to get, they can continue to ride this high while also saying, Hey, let's be honest. Let's get better. Yeah. Uh, just really quickly. Daniel Popper said that they have not received a timeline on Brian Bulaga um, recently. So it, it seems like the procedure was like an injection of some sort, like a painkilling thing. Mm-hmm. So like I said, last time I'm, I'm not expecting Brian Bulaga back pretty much anytime soon. Um, but yeah, I do agree. Like there are certain things and that, you know, certain players that could get more involved, right? Like it, it took them a couple weeks to figure out how to involve, uh, Austin Eckler. Like it took them really, you know, a couple of weeks to get things going with Jared cook. So, you know, it is just going to be interesting to see how like things get worked out. And it's, it's kind of reminding me a little bit of the 2019 Packers where, it really kind of took them a while to figure yeah. out what is Alan Lazard? What is Robert Tanyan? What is, uh, you know, anyone else besides Devonte Adams and Aaron Jones? So, you know, these new schemes just kind of take some time to iron out and it's just going to be, it is going to be interesting to, uh, to watch down the stretch. Uh, uh, shout out to Envy Talent, man. Yeah. Shout out to Envy Talent. Really uh, a strong supporter of the show. Um, one aspect of Staley's defense is surprising you the most and what do you see Staley focusing on in the upcoming draft based off of the results so far? Alex, you want to take that one first? Yeah, um, I'd say the most surprising thing is just how flexible they've been in terms of like willing, being willing to experiment. And like, obviously, Drew Tranquil kind of came out of necessity, but they were like, mm-hmm. hey, Kenneth Murray, we know you're a first round pick, but we're going to give Tranquil more snaps this week, right? Last week. Uh, and then, you know, he gets thrust into this role. Um, and, you know, a lot of the preconceptions of this defense, I think, in the preseason were just sort of, you know, not inaccurate, but they're always kind of playing around with things, toying with things, right? None of us really had expectations or high expectations for somebody like Devon Campbell, but he's become a factor, right? Uh, and you yeah. have a lot of guys that I think are like that in just making a difference just because they got the opportunity uh, and I think that's kind of going to continue through the season. Not that I think there's like a lot of people that they have like left to play as like an ace up their sleeve, but I do think as injuries come, they'll they'll find out kind of ways to use guys around the scheme. 
as far as upcoming draft, uh, defensive tackle, all the big fat guys, get them in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think we'll see you know, the defensive line in general kind of get the overhaul treatment next year in terms of like starters, because like we, we can't trust Justin Jones at this point. Limbaugh Joseph is a free agent. Uh, Christian Covington is a free agent. Kyler Fackrell is a free agent. Christian Wells is a free agent. So they'll, they'll replace a lot of guys next year. I think, you know, we could see even Wilson and Fackrell back kind of depending on how they play the rest of the year. Um, but yeah, I think you know the focus of next offseason is, is going to be allowing Staley to get his guys in there up front that really fit his his scheme. What's the trade market for Aaron Donald like? <laughs> uh, well, probably well, like it, seven first round picks. <laughs> well, his guys, just not ones that are Eric Banks. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, jeez. Right. <laughs> um, before I forget, what is that? Uh, the guy on Twitter, he he put the picture of the Mario Kart thing. What is that? Oh, the mushroom. Yeah. So, like, if you're talking, like, old school Mario, Mario would, like, the mushroom would land on him, and he'd be like, blip, 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 and get a little bigger. Oh, he gets superpowers. Okay. Sure. Uh, yeah, he gets, sure. yeah. Michael there you Brock go. Arjun, good call. That's yeah. a familiar face for sure. Send send a massive trade package to the Jets for Quentin Williams, because Quentin Williams wasting his talent in New York is mm. is a true travesty. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, guys, let's wrap this one up today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. Uh, it's been a fantastic time talking with all of you. Great time to be a Chargers fan. Um, Tyler, any final thoughts today before we head out? I'm excited for next week, man. Like they're three and one top the AFC, another big test ahead of them. And I'll be there. And hopefully there's just a couple more there next week for uh, us to like, cause more delayed game penalties. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Alex, final thoughts, man. Yeah, no, I am uh, excited for next week. Just excited with the future of this team as a whole. You had somebody like uh, Larry Browntree and Austin Eckler who were really uh, plugging those runs up the middle, and uh, Urban Meyer made some runs up the middle this week. <laughs> I, I knew where that was. I knew like there was something coming. I, just I was, was like, what? Yeah. I was waiting for a Utah joke, but you know. Oh my gosh. Utah jokes. No Utah jokes for the next little while, please. It's a rough time in the program right now. Rutgers lost by like 40 this week to Ohio State, so I'm not going to give you shit. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, different reasons. Off the field reasons. Um, But yeah, I'm really excited about this Chargers team, man. You know, just so excited to see where this team goes from here on out. And, you know, these are some really, they're not primetime games, but they feel like primetime games coming up with the Browns and the Ravens. Mm -hmm. Two really good teams, you know, um, outside of, you know, Baker Mayfield kind of struggling a little bit, you know, the Browns are stacked at almost every position that defense is flying around. The Chargers defense is flying around. So it's going to be a fun couple of weeks, very challenging for sure. Big tests, but, um, definitely some games that the Chargers, uh, can win for sure. Um, as always leave us a rating or a view on Apple podcasts or Spotify, uh, like the channel, turn those notifications on. And make sure and support our sponsors, TickPick, Quest Designs, the Backroom Collection, and uh, Chicky Chicky Wings and Sports. Almost forgot them for a second there. Um, so please go check them out. Check out us. Check us out on Twitter. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next time. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts 
so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.